Pastor Aaron and I, we've been uh, away from the Hillside campus for the last two Sundays, so it's great to be back. Uh, the Sunday right before we left for our Philippines trip was the last Sunday we had service with you guys. Uh, and then we missed the Sunday because we were in the Philippines, and, and last week we were in Busan. And our, our seaside, our church plant in Busan is doing wonderfully, and they are continuing to grow, and the culture of our church is really being established there. And it's powerful what God is doing down in Busan. So continue to keep our church plant in prayer. Uh, wonderful missions video. I want to thank all the videographers and also Pastor Joel Kim, the executive director of our uh, multimedia. Uh, he he edited uh, most uh, most or he edited those two videos. So he did a fantastic job. Let's just thank uh, Pastor Joel for an amazing two videos. That, that song for the uh, Philippines-Malaysia trip, that's a powerful song. I, was, I think I've heard this song here before, but it, it wasn't sung like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we, we had our own rendition. It was very good, but that's, that's a powerful song. It's got me stuck in my head now. But a powerful video really uh, gave us a really neat glimpse of what each team went through and what they uh, saw and the testimonies that they brought back. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome. And not only does our house get to enjoy these videos, but other churches, you know, they are watching, other pastors are watching what we're doing. And so, you know, it's really a ministry uh, to the nations when we make these uh, photo, photo, photo albums and our videos. So thank you to everyone involved with the multimedia ministry. Uh, thank you to Emily and for Chisu for those wonderful testimonies. Thank you for sharing and preparing. And um, Chisu did a wonderful job as team leader. I know that some of the team members were, gave you a hard time, <laughs> but you did, you did a great job still. What a blessing. What a blessing the Lord has given you. <laughs> I think it was already announced, but if it wasn't announced, Pastor Benjamin's first book is for sale in the back. Uh, we have a limited number of copies, so if you want one, you're going to have to rush to the back and get one. Uh, uh, Aaron and I, we have a copy and it's a short book, but it's got powerful, uh, revelation in it. And especially regarding the theme of meditation. And so it's a practical book to help you to meditate, but also kind of bringing out why meditation is valuable and why it's so elusive, uh, to our generation and how it's needed to be returned back in, into the church for us to go deeper with God. And so it's a powerful book. I really recommend it. So, but we only have a limited number of copies. So uh, if you want one, be sure to grab one in the back. All right. So two weeks ago, no, three weeks ago, I preached a message called The Request of Solomon. And I talked about the narrative of Solomon, how when he was appointed as king, when his father David passed away and it was time for him to take the throne, he felt a lot of inadequacy about giving leadership to this vast nation of Israel. And so Solomon, in a dream, made a request to the Lord. The Lord came to him and said, ask anything, Solomon. And Solomon made the request to ask for wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. I talked about how in order for us to really grow in wisdom, number one, you got to fear the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't got that, if you're not willing to confront your sin issues, your sin bondage, you're not willing to walk in purity and holiness and righteousness, you're not even starting, you're not even at the beginning of wisdom. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear the Lord, second was please the Lord. Find out what pleases Him and do it. Because he who pleases the Lord, says in Ecclesiastes, the Lord blesses them with, like, a lot of good stuff. <laughs> but the latter part of that verse also says, But for the wicked, he gives the task of storing up wealth to give to the one who pleases the Lord. To the one who pleases the Lord, God gives wisdom. But to the wicked, he gives the task of storing up wealth. Now, you might be worried about your savings account. And you know what? Some of y'all need to manage your money better. 
All of you guys should have a healthy amount in savings. All the married couples, you guys should be saving up for your future families. You should be managing money. The good news is there's somebody else that's managing your money for you. The wicked, some of them are managing their money, your money for you. And as long as you walk in the ways of wisdom, you please the Lord. The Bible says they have the task of storing up that wealth to give it to you in the future. Please the Lord. Third was ask the Lord. Ask and you will receive. I wrote three really easy, simple steps. Uh, Fear the Lord. Please the Lord. Ask the Lord. Today, I want to study Proverbs chapter 8. And I want to bring forth some practical steps and some closer uh, study of the properties of wisdom according to what Proverbs 8 has to offer us here. And in fact, what I want to do from starting from today is I want to put a halt. Actually, I can't do that, right? I can't put a halt on your... Some of you are doing the uh, one-year Bible reading, right? How many of you are doing the one-year Bible reading? Oh, all right. Okay. Well, I have the authority to put a stop to that, but I'm not, all right? I'm not. You guys, you started it, try to keep it up. But what I want to, uh, for the rest of you, and if you want to do it in addition to your Bible reading, you can, is I want you to do 15 chapters of Proverbs in the month of March and 15 pro- chapters of Proverbs as part of your devotional for the month of April. So by the time we hit our retreat, you guys are really meditating upon the book of Proverbs because this is the book inspired by Solomon himself, really inspired by the Lord, and it's full of wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. There's more than just asking, though. It's not like you ask and then everything's just automatic. There's also not just a receiving, but there's an active participation that requires you to really go deep into what it means to have wisdom. So I want to look at Proverbs 8 because it really draws that out. So turn to Proverbs chapter 8, and we're going to look at this today. Now, here in Proverbs 8, I find six practical instructions for wisdom. I'm going to go over first three, and I'm going to go over the last three in the latter portion of my message. All right, let's go with the first three. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 8, and we'll start with verse 5. I was going to kind of read the whole chapter, but uh, we're kind of constrained for time with all the testimonies that went up. So I'm going to just start from verse 5. Look at verse 5. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Actually, we need the context. I'll read read from verse 1. Okay. You need the context. That'll make no sense there. Look at from verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance to the portals, she cries aloud. Very interesting. That wisdom is personified as a woman. And this goes really well with the earlier chapters of Proverbs where adultery is personified, but also by a woman. Which pretty girl are you going to go after is the question. Right? It's kind of like the the theme that uh, Proverbs is bringing forth. Verse 4, to you. Now, now it's talking about wisdom as a woman here. Wisdom is, she's calling out. It's not like she's somewhere hidden in some cubicle, in some corner where nobody can find her. Proverbs here says, doesn't she call out? Does not she raise her voice? She's at the heights. She's at the crossroads. She's at the gates. She's at the entrance of the portals. She cries aloud. And this is what she cries. Verse 4. To you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of men. Verse 5. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. First practical instruction here in this chapter is the word learn. The Bible calls 
the simple minded. You know, there, there are values to being simple. And then there are people that are just simple. They're just lazy. They don't want to think about it. They just want to play video games all day. Go to, go to the little dead-end entry job and just think simple. Just I, just I don't like it all complicated. I just want to think simple. You know, in the Bible, the word simple can sometimes be the equivalent of the word stupid. The Bible says here, oh, simple ones, learn prudence, learn wisdom. And then, oh, fools. Now, fools are not simple. They like things complicated, but they like things complicated in foolishness. They come up with all kinds of foolishness, all kinds of conspiracy theories, all kinds of strange proverbs that do not come from Scripture. Bible says to the simple ones and to the fools, you got to learn. So the first first step is learn wisdom. Everybody say word, the word learn. Okay, let's go with second. Look at verse six. Here, for I will speak noble things and from my lips will come what is right. The second practical instruction for wisdom here in Proverbs chapter eight. Is listen. Everybody say listen. You know that Beyonce song, listen? Oh, you knew I was going to say that? Listen. Don't you say something about crossroads too? And I tried and tried. Anyway, listen. If you really want to grow in wisdom, you not only have to have, to have an attitude to learn and be teachable, but you need to second of all, you got to listen. Because what's verse 1 through 4? What did it just do? It showed us a personified vision of wisdom calling out like a woman crying out. And the Bible says, listen to her. Listen to the voices of wisdom in your life. When you read scripture, there's reading and then there's listening. You know, some people, they read scripture, but they don't listen to scripture. When you read, you got to learn how to listen to what's, what's being said there. And so if you want to continue to grow in wisdom, you got to learn how to listen. But you know what? Some people, they don't know how to listen. You know, certain people will come up to me after a service. And they're asked for prayer and they're asked for counsel. And you know what? I may have a limited understanding of your situation. But if I get a supernatural insight or I get supernatural, what I feel like supernatural shepherding advice, I'm going to give it to you. And if I'm wrong later, I'll admit that I was wrong. But if I don't admit that I was wrong, I truly believe that was supernatural insight God gave me to give to you. And you, some people... I didn't say you, you. Some people, they would listen but not listen. Because you know what happens? As I'm giving this advice, and I'm going, oh, this is good. Oh, this makes sense. Oh, I think this is really from the Lord. As I'm giving it to them, they're already preparing what they're going to say. Especially when it is not in agreement with what they've discerned. And most of the time, you know what? I want to agree with what you've discerned. Because I, as a pastor, I want you to grow in your own discernment. It's not in my best interest to go against. It's not like a method. Or let me go against everything that they say that they've discerned. I, I do that very, very carefully. But when I do, I look to see if the person's listening. But some people, they're already preparing their answer. And before I even finish my sentence, they're blurting out, you know, why I don't know certain things about their situation and how that, that advice doesn't make sense at all. And you know what? To be gracious, I'll listen to, to if I have time, I'll, I'll try to listen to the parts that I don't know. And I'll be, I'll be like, Lord, does that change anything? Or I'll, I'll, I'll examine, does that change the advice I want to give them? And if it doesn't, then I just, hey, I'm sorry, I, I still got the same advice. Right? You, you know me. Am I a pastor? 
that's going to switch up the advice to please man. Right? I'm not that kind of... I'm really not that kind of pastor. And so, if, I, if I'm stubbornly sticking to some word of counsel I'm giving you, I'm doing it because I'm accountable to God. At the end of the day, I don't answer to you. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please the Lord. And if I'm wrong, once again, I'll come up to you. I'll call you. I'll be like, I was wrong. I, I prayed and prayed. And the Lord showed me something else. I was totally off. I'm not afraid to admit that either. When it comes down, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about an opinion that originated with me. You know, really strong churches, dynamic churches, fruitful churches, supernatural is natural type of churches. The pastors, they must shepherd supernaturally. Now, don't get me wrong. We shouldn't always just use prophetic words to counsel everybody. We need to listen. We need to counsel. But sometimes you know that God doesn't give natural counsel. The counsel that makes practical sense. God doesn't always give us that kind of counsel. Look through the Bible. If, if that's the only kind of counsel God gave, then we don't have a narrative here. God gives counsel that sometimes is completely something he didn't even tell you about. But now he's speaking it through your spiritual authorities. And in those moments, it's very important to learn how to listen. And you know what? You can, still, you can still make your own decision. But at least listen. If you're going to grow in wisdom, you got to learn how to do the second step. You got to listen to wisdom. Listen to what she is saying. Turn to your neighbor. Tell, tell them, listen to her. You got to listen to her. Listen to wisdom. All right. Go with me to verse 17. Go with me to verse 17. It says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Third practical instruction here in the scripture is love wisdom. You got to learn how to love her. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, a man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father. But a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. Isn't that the, the story of the prodigal son? A man who loves wisdoms, he, he brings joy to his father. And that applies to a natural father, but also to a spiritual father. You know, when I hear about people at New Philly, that I, you know, and I love you all dearly. But what I hear about, especially leaders that are more up, and our leadership ranking, like people who have more authority, when I hear them getting in dabbling and foolishness, that really grieves my heart. And I, even if I don't want to think about it, it's hard for me not to think about it and pray into it. Because you know what? When you dabble in foolishness, it just grieves your heart. It not only, it not only grieves the heart of your pastor, but it also grieves the heart of God sometimes. But if you walk in wisdom, Right? You go, Pastor Christian, I discerned this and this and this, and I was feeling like I need to go this way. But as I prayed into it, I just felt like the wisdom of God was saying, no, no, I got to deal with my finances like this. And this is, these are some of the steps I took. What do you think? If I see you walking in that kind of wisdom, it's going to bring great joy to my heart. As a spiritual father, when the sons walk in wisdom, it brings great joy to the father's heart. But a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth so i made it real easy the first three practical steps is le learn listen and love now you guys might have heard of a movie that's really popular called live laugh and love right is that is that the name of the movie oh okay sorry uh, this, this is another movie. This is another movie. No, Google told me it's a movie. You stupid Google. Can't get nothing right. All right, so it's eat, pray, 
love. By the way, you watch that movie has nothing to do with the Bible. Let's talk about, you know, yoga and all this meditation stuff. Yeah, don't, don't, that's not the prayer that, you know, we talk about here. Don't be all watching the movie, eat, pray, love, eat, pray, love. No. Okay, what you really need to memorize is these three L's. Learn, listen, and love. Learn wisdom, listen to the voice of wisdom, and love her. Learn, listen, love. It's really easy to memorize because L-E-L-I-L-O. It's just alphabetical order. Learn, listen, love. If you forget it, just look in here in Proverbs. It's right here. Proverbs chapter 8. Learn, listen, love. Okay, and then I'm going to share the next three practical steps later in my, in my message. Because I kind of have to follow the, uh, the structure of this passage here. All right. So what is wisdom? What does wisdom look like? What does it mean to walk in wisdom? What does it mean to learn about wisdom? To love her. What does, it, what does it mean for a man to listen to the voice of wisdom? What's that look like? So here's some practical properties of wisdom here. Starting from verse 12. Let's get through these. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Now, the ESV jacked it up here. I just think it's not very, it doesn't flow well. NIV, I possess knowledge and discretion. I think that's a much more, it brings out the truer meaning of the Hebrew. I possess knowledge and discretion. A property of wisdom is prudence. It's discretion. What's that mean? That means not airing out everything that comes to your mind. You know, when I was a young man, I used to air out everything that was on my mind. And some things made people laugh, and some things offended people, and some things were just plain corny. But you know what? I just, my personality type, I just, that's the way, you know, I, I would just interact with people. I just spoke what was on my mind. But when I was in college and I asked God, Lord, give me more wisdom. And I started reading through the Proverbs. The Proverbs kept telling me, oh, Lord. I think it's in Psalms, but also in the Bible says, oh, Lord, set a guard over over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And all over the Proverbs, it kept talking about prudence and discretion. You know what prudence and discretion is? It's pretty much keeping your mouth shut when you got nothing edifying to say. It's not, it's about, you know, how's my dress look? A husband. Discretion says, oh, your, your dress looks beautiful, baby. It looks way beautiful. It looks amazing. <laughs> All right. That's discretion. Yeah. But a, a husband that's, uh, that's foolish, that doesn't know wisdom quite yet. He might, he might just say, well, you know, I don't like this. I don't like that. And that, that. You know what I mean? When a, when a woman asks that, man, a lot of times they're not they're not looking for you to crit- critique like the little details of what they're wearing. They just want to know general overall. You know, does it look good? And if it does, and it's close enough, then you you just tell her you look beautiful. <laughs> look, a bad example. I'm just talking about prudence and discretion. Prudence and discretion. Living, living in a culture you don't, you're not that familiar with, discretion goes a long way. I learned that the hard way being in Korea. I noticed that for Koreans, there are certain taboos that they just don't go. They, they don't go there. But when you go there, Korean people get crazy. <laughs> they just get crazy. So one thing, one hand, well, I'll share a quick story. Uh, when I first came to Korea, I bought a little 50cc motorcycle scooter. You know, whenever I go up the hill, it was scary because all these cars would be passing by me. But, you know, I had my helmet on and I was like, yeah, this is so amazing. You know, I can get anywhere in the city. And one day I was riding it everywhere. One day I was riding through Yonsei and I was kind of going a bit fast next to the bus, you know, crevices. And then some knuckle-headed girl jaywalks, not only jaywalks, she jay-runs in front of this bus, so I can't see her, and she, she runs into my motorcycle. And so I fly off, she flies off, but I got a helmet, she don't. 
And so, you know, when I got up, I was like, girl, what's wrong with you? But, you know, she was like, she was like ah, 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 and she was blaming me for what happened. And so I was like, I, I just want to be kind first, you know. Like, Are you okay? Is everything, what's wrong with you, you know? But no, I was like, I was very kind. And I escorted her to the hospital. And that night, her whole family came. And every time her family came, each and every one of them started, like, cursing me out. And I was like, what are you talking about? It was her fault. She shouldn't have been Jay running across the street. And there was no way I could have, you know. I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't have gone as fast as I did. But I wasn't even going that fast. It's a 50cc scooter. And I, I'm just thinking that. But they were blaming me. Now, what I didn't know is, this is for all the foreigners in here. You should be aware of this law. In Korean traffic law, there's a no-fault policy for pedestrians. Meaning that if you are driving any kind of vehicle and you hit a pedestrian, it is required by law that you help pay for their medical costs. And the amount is determined in your negotiation with their family. If you do not negotiate, you are, you are charged for a crime and you go to jail. You guys didn't know this, right? I didn't know this. So that night, I sit down with the father and I'm, let's just be reasonable here. Look, I help out a little bit. But, you know, I don't know what this bill is going to come out to. But, you know, I'm thinking like maybe $800 or something, you know. I'm not going to pay like, you know, half of that. You know, it's her fault. You know, but I want to be kind. So I was trying to be kind. And then uh, I got one of my, uh, one of the JSEM brothers back in the day. He was a lawyer. So I called him up because I got all scared. I didn't know what was going on. So he came. And I guess him being Korean, I thought he knew the Korean culture very well. But I guess he wasn't so, such a good lawyer because he wasn't aware of this no fault law. So he comes up and talks to the father. And discretion should have said, all right, don't come off so strong. I mean, even I saw that. But this brother who will remain unnamed, he starts coming off really strong to the father and saying, we have no fault here. We can help you out a little bit. But if you're demanding that we uh, negotiate some kind of deal, that, the law will protect this young man. And we, 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 we have nothing else to say. We're going to walk away. We're just going to go home right now. So it came off really strong. And I, even I picked up on that. I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I'm, willing, I'm willing to help out a little bit. Hey, why are, you, why are you going off on your own? You're not constrained by my heart. He's just going off on his own. Okay. We're at this like 7-Eleven type of uh, table. You know, the plastic tables they have outside where like old Ajashis, they drink sometimes. We're on the one of the tables. And as he said, we're going to walk away. Something snapped in that father. He was so, so kind up until that point. Very patient. He was like calming down all the ajumas that were part of the family. But something snapped. And all of a sudden, he punched the table. And he was like, And he starts cursing up. <laughs> you know how I just see when they snap, like their voice gets all crazy. I didn't know what he was saying, but I was so scared. I was like, I'll pay for everything. <laughs> What's going on? Anyway, we did not deal with that with much prudence or discretion. In fact, when he did that, after our initial surprise, we pressed him further. And we were just like, you know what? You're in the wrong here. So, you know, if you want us to help out, I'll help out a little bit. But you keep asking me to, you know, pay the whole cost. You keep being unreasonable like that. You know, we'll just, we'll just take this to the police. We brought up the police. So he's like, all right, let's go to the police station. So we go to the police station. At three in the morning. And the first thing the police officer says is, come over here. We need to get your thumbprints. I'm like, what do you need my thumbprints for? <laughs> and there's like this little like wooden gate about this size, like a baby crib gate. And that's where they put all the criminals. <laughs> you know, in Korea, I guess they don't have really big, bad criminals. They just need a little, <laughs> a little baby gate. And he starts taking my thumbprints. I'm like, what is going on? Somebody explain to me what's going on. Somebody get me the U.S. ambassador. <laughs> Wake him up. <laughs> hey, finally, I get the explanation. There is this law in Korea. You hit a pedestrian. You have to negotiate or you go to jail. And I was like, this is preposterous. They're like, they were like, no, that's the law here. It's always been that way. It, it, it puts the obligation on the drivers to be more careful. 
even if it's a drunk person, even if they're running across the highway, even if they're, if they're committing suicide, and if they're not successful, you gotta you gotta negotiate. I mean, anyway, man, that that was, was a rude awakening. And so, anyway, later that at six in the morning, I finally just told the dad, you know, hey, you know, whatever you want, you know, we'll negotiate, you know. But this is my situation. I'm a missionary here in Korea with Campus Crusade. <laughs> <clears throat> I raise support for a living. So, you know, I hope you take that into consideration. But, you know, it's all right. I'll find ways to get the money if you really want me to get the money. So we negotiated. And so he said, all right, we'll go half-half. Well, the bill comes out to like two grand because she stayed in the hospital, you know, just to be precautious. She, she stayed longer than she really needed to. But the cool thing was, because I didn't have that money. I didn't have $1,000 just lying around at that time. I was still paying off my credit card debt. And, uh, the mom, I meet the mom, she was really angry, but she calmed down and actually brought like her flowers. And this is not like to like manipulate, you know, this is just for, out of my own kindness and my own uh, desire to see her get better. You know, I went and I prayed for her and I just gave her flowers, all this stuff. Her mom, she's a Christian, so she started opening up her heart. And the long story short was, you know, she offered to give money toward my ministry. Months after the accident happened. Isn't that cool? Anyway, God had that all. I mean, he, he was going to take care of it all. But, you know, at that time, I didn't, I didn't know wisdom meant, you know, I was still understanding what wisdom meant. Well, it wasn't all my fault. It was that young man. It was, it was my friend who was trying to help me out. Anyway, now you know that pedestrian law. Uh, verse 13, wisdom hates pride, arrogance, evil ways, and perverted speech. Wisdom hates pride, arrogance, evil ways, and perverted speech. A practical property of wisdom is humility. A, a wise man is a humble man. A wise man is, is not going to be all just uh, being arrogant about his successes and his achievements because he knows that wisdom hates that stuff and you know i talked about in my message three weeks ago how the bible talks about how jesus has become for us the wisdom of god right talked about in colossians chapter 1 verse 24 because christ has become to us the wisdom of god when we walk in wisdom we're actually abiding in jesus in fact, even though this wisdom is personified as a woman, many sound interpreters will tell you that this passage is actually talking about Jesus. You might be like, that don't make no sense. First of all, how dare you call Jesus a woman? And second of all, how is this messianic? Well, I'll bring it out for you in a second. All right. But I'm telling you right now. Just like wisdom hates pride, arrogance, and evil ways and perverted speech, Jesus hates those stuff. Look at verse uh, 14. Wisdom, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Wisdom gives us counsel. It gives us sound wisdom. In the NIV, it talks about sound judgment. Wisdom gives us insight. Wisdom has strength. In the NIV, it talks about power. These are all properties of wisdom. Look at verse 15 and 16. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. Wisdom, one property of wisdom is, it is critical to good leadership. If you don't have wisdom, if you don't have a wise leader in that position of leadership, you are in trouble in that organization. In fact, if you have a leader or manager who's over you, that doesn't seem to be walking in wisdom, you better pray for that person who gets some. It's going to go really bad, not only for him, but for you, because you're working on that person. Even if that person is not a believer, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom, because even secular kings can govern with wisdom that comes from the Lord. Even secular kings can learn how to hate arrogance, hate corruption. So pray for them. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us to pray for all those in positions of government, uh, positions of authority. 
Now, uh, look at verse 18. Here's another cool property of wisdom that we don't want to let you know up front, but you can find out about toward the latter portion. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. Riches and honor are with me. A property of wisdom is you love, you learn, listen, and love wisdom. And that's the attitude you have toward wisdom all the days of your life. With wisdom will come honor and riches. Not my words. The words of scripture. Some people pursue honor and riches. And they don't get none. But if you will pursue wisdom, if you will learn, listen, and love wisdom, along with wisdom will always come riches and honor. Because they're together. They're always with him. With her. Sorry. They're always with her. And the cool thing is, not only riches like a little, a little, a little, you know, bonus here, a little bonus there that you squander over the weekend. No. Enduring wealth. I like that in the ESV. Enduring wealth. Basketball, NBA players do not seem to have enduring wealth. Professional boxers do not seem to have enduring wealth. You know why they don't have enduring wealth? Because they don't have wisdom. They can have, you can have all the money in the world. You can, have, you can throw millions of dollars. But at a fool, their wealth does not endure. You can just give a little microphone of a couple thousand dollars to a wise man. And they make that couple thousand dollars multiply. Because along with wisdom comes riches, wealth. In fact, enduring wealth and honor. It's powerful. It's really powerful. And it was the same for Solomon. God said to him after his request, he says, Now I do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that no one like you has been before you and none like you shall rise after you. And I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all of your days. That's not just applying to Solomon. If you will learn to lear- learn, listen, and love wisdom, riches and honor will follow you, just as it did for Solomon. Okay, verse 20. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice. What does it look like? To walk in wisdom, it means to walk in the paths of justice. It means to deny a bribe if it is brought before you. It means to confront injustice and corruption wherever it is found. Wisdom walks in the way of righteousness. Wisdom pursues the paths of justice. And verse 21 uh, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Now, let me show you, unpack to you why I think this is messianic. Why I think wisdom here is actually talking about Jesus. Read with me here for the rest of the verses. Verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with his fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. There, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was his, I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him, always rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Now, if we're just talking about wisdom as just a metaphor, this metaphor is taking a little too far, don't you think? But here it's talking about wisdom being there before the earth was even created. Who else does the Bible talk about in that way? But Jesus alone. When you seek wisdom, you are abiding in Jesus. We all as a church, we need to learn to grow in what it means to walk in the ways of wisdom. Now look at verse 32. And I'll uh, I'll close up the sermon here. Verse 32. And now, O sons... 
Listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. So steps one, two, and three, it's real easy. Learn, listen, love. Have that attitude toward wisdom at all times. The next three steps are, are very simple as well. The first one here, actually, step two is so important. I'm, let me emphasize that again. Right? Verse 32, what does it say? Now, O sons, listen to me. Right? If you actually circle the word listen or hear in this chapter, you'll find it in verse 6. Why don't you just try to circle that? If you don't mind circling your Bible. Look at verse 6. There's the word there. Hear. Look at verse 32. Once again. Listen. And listen. Verse 33. Hear instruction and be wise. And once again, verse 34. Blessed is the one who listens. I mean, if there's one thing that the author of this chapter, which ultimately is God, the, ins- the one who inspired this chapter is trying to say, one instruction you need to remember step two, listen. There's too many of us, we ask for wisdom, but we fail to listen. God can speak wisdom into your life through your sibling. And my sisters were living with us and you know, I have to understand that sometimes God may speak wisdom to me through her. You know, throughout my, much of my childhood, I used to think my mom, you know, didn't have, she was always chansoroin, chansori. What's that in English? Nagging. I thought she was always nagging me and stuff. But, you know, when I go my own way, like she would always say, you know, you know, double up your socks. Make sure you wear your scarf today. Wear your nebok. And, you know, in Philadelphia, if you go to elementary school in the inner city, you don't wear nebok. <laughs> when people find that, they will beat you up. <laughs> like, at my school, we used to have this foolish activity called rush me socks. All right? Let me explain. Rush me socks. And the whole school, we, we executed this. Even I got in on it. Rush me socks is whenever you find a person wearing striped socks... You spontaneously beat them up. Like, not like, not like bloody them, but like beat them up. Like, and so there was this guy, Ruben, this Italian boy named Ruben. He was kind of poor. I guess he couldn't afford, or he, his mom kept buying him striped socks. And so every month we check and Ruben will always have them striped socks. Everybody would say, yo, 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 Ruben's got rush me socks. Bum rush him right now. And everybody would just start coming and just beating him up. Like, you know, bruise them up, but, you know, like, not beat them up, but, like, beat them up. Anyway. Wait, what, why did I get into that? Yeah, yeah. I thought, I always thought, you know, you don't wear nebok to school. That happens. That's kind of stuff that happened to you if you wore nebok to school. Anyway, my mom will always be like, you know, it's going to be cold today. Or she always, just take your umbrella. But like, Mama, Mama, you didn't even look at the weather report today. We didn't have like iPhones back then. But she'd be like, take your umbrella. Make sure to take your umbrella. I'd be like, man, and I'll leave it at the door. And God was trying to speak wisdom into my life. Because a lot of times I walked home in the rain. <laughs> and then, you know, when I come home, you know, she'll be like, you know, trying to dry me off. And I'm like, it's all right, it's just going to air dry. She'd be like, no, you're going to catch a cold. I'm like, no, no, just air dry. And I'll catch a cold for a whole week. <laughs> Anyway, how do I get into that? Listen, yeah. Listen is a very important step. So, so listen to all, all the people in your life because God can speak through them. Wisdom. And uh, we're going to go to step four. Look at verse. Look at verse. Um, where are we at? I'll, I'll skip one. Here we go. Verse. Oh, I'm sorry. Go to verse 17. It was part of the love, but I, I kind of ran over it. Those who seek me diligently find me. Those who seek me. So there needs to be a searching and a seeking, a hungering after wisdom. So that's the fourth step. You got to seek wisdom. Now, I gave you the kind of simple one in the, three weeks ago. Just ask for it. But if you really want to go deeper in wisdom, because you can get some initial you know, amounts of wisdom into your life. If you want to really go deep, you got to start to seek it. Diligently, the Bible says. 
Seek it like you would seek treasure. And then go to verse 32. Now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Not only do you need to seek it, but when you seek it and find it, you need to keep it. What good is it if you seek it and find it and then you don't apply it? You don't actually walk in those ways. You got to learn how to keep the ways of wisdom. I remember a Seinfeld episode where Seinfeld made these, I think, rental car reservations. And he made them. And then when he go, uh, he went in this one episode, he went to the rental car. I think it's a rental car place, right? Anybody else watch Seinfeld in here? All right, somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the rest of y'all are like, what is Seinfeld? Seinfeld was a sitcom on TV, a comedy sitcom. And one time he went to the rental car place and he had made his reservation. But when he tried to get his car, they were like, oh, we lost your reservation. So Seinfeld was like, well, what good is it for you to take reservations? Anybody can take reservations. I, look, I'm taking reservations. I'm take- what is important is that you keep the reservation. Well, the same thing. Anybody can ask and seek and, and find wisdom. But the important thing, you got to keep wisdom. You got to keep walking in those ways. You got to apply it to your life. And look at verse 33. As I love how this, I believe this revelation here is all wrapped up. Verse 33, hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Here's the thing about wisdom. You seek it, and then you keep it, and then you become it. Bible doesn't say just learn about it. Optionally, just apply it here and there. It's not so much about your, your actions and behavior. It's really about becoming wise. It's not about just doing wisdom. It's about becoming a man or woman of wisdom. So the Bible says here, hear the instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. And let me wrap it up with verse 35, 36. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. And, you know, this Hebrew word favor here. It's not just the concept of favor, like, you know, as we know it, favor, you know, I got a discount favor. I'm talking about here. If you look at the Hebrew word, it actually says favor, ratzon, is delight. It can also be translated delight, desire, good pleasure. When you walk in wisdom, whoever finds wisdom finds life and obtains the good pleasure of the Lord. If you really want to bring joy and pleasure, and you want to please God. It's all about walking in that wisdom. And he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. All who fail to find me injures himself. You know, a lot of times the harm that you face, you should stop blaming God for it. Wait, you just brought it on your own self. Just brought it on yourself by walking in foolishness. By not only just walking in foolishness, it's just failing to find wisdom. It doesn't say he who walks in foolishness injures himself. It says anyone who just fails to find it. That means the way you injure yourself is simply you don't look. You don't listen. That's all that's needed for you to injure yourself. Those who want to walk in wisdom, you got it's got to be an active participation on your part. All who fail to find wisdom injures himself and all who hate wisdom love death. All who hate wisdom love death. Why is that last portion so significant? Why? Because I talked about how this wisdom personified is actually the Messiah, Jesus. 
What the Bible's saying is all who hate Jesus is actually preferring to love death. Because without Jesus, the wages of sin are death. Without his loving blood, his blood shed on the cross for you, your sins remain. And for every person who hates Jesus, what they're actually doing is loving death. But you, church, that's not you. You don't love death, do you? You are the people of God. What you ought to love is life. You ought to love obtaining favor and good pleasure of the Lord. The good pleasure of the Lord. That's what you love as a people of God. You love life and life abundant. And so abide in Jesus. Learn, listen, and love wisdom. Seek, keep, and become wise. And let's really go deep in this Solomonic season for our church of building. We can't build a single thing unless we learn how to walk in the ways of wisdom. And I've been kind of learning about that in our office and building search. Uh, currently, our church is looking for a new, new office. And we're looking in this area called Hongdae, near Hongdae University. And uh, the board of trustees of the church, we, I went out with them many times as well. We saw over 50, 60 buildings in two months. That's a lot of buildings, right? And some buildings are built with wisdom. And other buildings are nasty, stanky, ghetto. Ain't nobody want to pay to rent that place. You can't even pay somebody to rent that place. They're built. Not with foolishness. They're just built without wisdom. And we walk in. And you can tell right away within the first couple minutes. Was this built with wisdom or was this built without it? We as a church... Ten years from now, when people visit New Philly, when people partner with New Philly, I want every person, every pastor, every missionary that partners with us and visits us, I want them to say, wow, this house is built with wisdom. The signs, welcome. You made it. I want people to be like, like the Queen of Sheba. Wow, this is amazing. Not only are they holding signs, but the position of their holding and the location where they are holding those signs, it's just done with wisdom. Wow, Pastor Christian, you have assigned seating for pastors. You have assigned seating for your programming director. Everything is done with wisdom. The worship team, Pastor John, wow, it's amazing what you're doing up here. No wonder you have 20 platinum records. Within 10 years. No pressure. Because you're doing everything with wisdom. Wow, the K1 prayer tabernacle, training school. No wonder there's so much powerful, spirit-filled ministers. I mean, if you saw the mission trips, right? I mean, I get so proud when I see, you know, one of the uh, reserve leaders, one of our leaders that are up and coming that are still in training. When they take that mic up there on the missions trip and they just share the testimony or they even are encouraged to preach and they preach and they do such an awesome job, whether the translator is good or not, they just do an awesome job. It makes me so proud. I'm like a proud papa. I'm like, wow. Wow. Like, I didn't even feel like that person was ready to go up, but I'm glad that Tina put him up and that person did a fantastic job. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If that's what, if that's our reserve leaders are able to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and just preach with boldness and authority. Imagine a training school that New Philly runs. How there is a lack of leadership in many local churches in America, I guess in Canada, many parts of the world, there's a lack of leadership. And we start training full-time pastors out of this covenant community. Imagine the powerful pastors that will come forth. As we build K-1, the training school and the Pertab with wisdom, there's just going to be so much that comes along with that. And so I want all of us in this Solomonic season, as we begin the year of inspiration, 
I think the key to really having not just a year of inspiration, but being established in a culture of inspiration, one key is learning wisdom. Let's close with this. I'm sorry, Naima. Let's close with this. I was reading this um, book by Bill Hybels. It's like Bill Hybels' uh, Proverbs, like the Proverbs of Bill Hybels. It's called, uh, what's, the, what's the book called? Axiom. It's called Axiom. And so they're like little uh, two or three page uh, chapters on very particular themes that he's seen in leadership, wisdom for leadership. And one chapter is called Disagreeing Without Drawing Blood. Isn't that interesting? Disagreeing without drawing blood. And as much as Bill Hybels and Willow Creek is, is uh, criticized for their seeker-friendly ministry, seeker-sensitive ministry, and you know, you know, people are always slamming him, hating on him. If you really study Willow Creek, they've done so many amazing things. They're one of the most creative churches in the world. So I've got to honor Bill Hybels where honor is due. This man is a man of inspiration. But he doesn't come up with all the ideas. He just sets up the culture for it. And one key to setting up a culture of creativity is to disagree without drawing blood. You know what this means? This means simply that when you disagree with someone, and when they bring up an idea or something, whatever, and you disagree with it, you do it without damaging their dignity. And so they have this thing where I think they, they pretend they have an umbrella. Like one of the staff, she was so scared to share her idea because Bill Havels was like, come on. Throw out whatever crazy ideas you guys got. Maybe we won't go with that idea, but it might develop into something that's amazing. So throw it out. Throw out your ideas. And one of the staff put up an umbrella and says, you know, pretty much like, can I get immunity? Like, you know, would, would you guys, if I share this, will you guys promise not to like, you know, bark down my throat? You know? And so she put up a little umbrella. And so everyone thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And so she shared her idea. And then the next person put up a little umbrella. So yeah, I have an idea too, but I, you know, I, I want y'all to be careful. Like, you know, don't don't shut me down for it, you know. And so they they have this culture now where they where they put up this umbrella, and it's all about disagreeing and bringing up these creative ideas without slamming people and 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 damaging their dignity in the process. You know, some people are so insightful. The most introvert people are actually the most insightful, right? But the problem is so hard to get it out of them so hard to get it out of them and so if we just have a culture where we're just all about efficiency and shooting down that bad idea and that bad idea and just going with the, the best idea that comes out of that meeting we're, we're not we're going to reach only a certain limit of inspiration but if we will have a culture of wisdom because this is not disagreeing without drawing blood it's not just a little you know proverb of bill hybels it's it's described here wisdom is prudence wisdom is discretion True discretion, true wisdom would never hurt a man's dignity for sharing some crazy idea. Because once again, great ideas are not birthed. They're not always birthed. They're developed. But you can never develop it if you're constantly shooting down everyone's idea. And for the melancholy, the more introvert people, when they give an idea and they get shot down, it, it'll take like three years before they share the next idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we want not just a year of inspiration, church, as we build and we build the ministry here, but also you guys build your own individual businesses and entrepreneurial ideas. When you build this stuff up, if we will have a culture of inspiration grounded in, in the wisdom of God, grounded in Jesus, really, we will have season after season after season of incredible things that will bring great glory to God. And will make the queen of Sheba drop her jaws. How many of y'all you want to see? You want to see non-believing Muslim CEOs, atheist CEOs visit New Philly just because they want to learn of the ways of the Lord. They may not even believe in Christ, but if they would start coming to New Philly just because there's so much wisdom here. But you know what? That's what it should be. Wisdom and inspiration should be flowing out of the church. And at some point in our history, that's what was happening with uh, Bach. Well, he's a Christian, right? Beethoven, right? Well, Christian. Anyway, 
All the art, the greatest artists and musicians at one point in our church, they're all from the church. They were all from the church. And now everyone just wants to go to Silicon Valley and Cupertino. No. The greatest inspiration should be flowing out of church because the breath of God is right here. The creator who is the most creative is right here. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you that, Lord, this is a house of creativity. And, Father, Lord, I'm praying that, Lord, that you would establish our church this year with a culture of inspiration. May the craziest of ideas, people will feel safe to share it here. Ideas that are underdeveloped, they will be able to share here and see it mature and grow to a place where these businesses, these programs, these ministries, it changes the world. Lord, we don't want just businesses that make money. We want businesses who have a vision to change the world. Lord, we don't want just a worship ministry that sings songs. We want to see a worship ministry that brings inner healing to people who just listen. That brings wisdom to the heart of those who who repeat the lyrics over and over again. Lord, establish a culture of inspiration in this house. Culture of inspiration, Lord. This is our prayer, God. In Jesus' name, amen. When we all rise to our feet, we'll ask song of praise.